Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at 1-833-999-HOPE or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. She might come to bed and say, are you going to pray? And I say, nope, because I'm still mad. (laughs) She says, well, I am. And she would pray by the time she was done praying, my heart is softened and I prayed. That's the late Dr. David Stoop, and we're going to be hearing more from him again today on Focus on the Family, along with his wife, Dr. Jan Stoop. And our host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. John, something I find fascinating is that the Bible is full of emotion and emotional people. Uh, Just read a couple of pages from the book of Psalms. You'll see displays of frustration, grief, anger, and joy. God gave us feelings for a reason, but although it's not good to suppress our emotions, we also can't let our feelings harden our hearts or uh, control us. Mm -hmm. Last time we shared a great conversation about how God wired us emotionally and how we need to understand what our guests call the BEP, basic emotional posture. And from there, we can trace our feelings back to their original source and use that to figure out why we say things we regret to our spouse. Because um, let's be honest, we've all done that at one time or another, except for you, right, John? <laughs> I have gone at least an hour without saying something I regretted to my See, dear wife, Dina. It. One hour is pretty good. <laughs> and that's why I'm really glad that we're having this uh, conversation again with David and Jan Stoop to help me improve my emotional <laughs> intelligence score. I shared I didn't do so well in the last program, so I've got lots to learn. Well, we uh, all have a lot to learn, John. So let's dive back in and share the second half of our conversation with the Stoops. And if you missed part one, or you'd like to take that free emotional intelligence assessment, the Smart Love Assessment, uh, stop by focusonthefamily.ca. And as I mentioned last time, Jan Stoop is a counselor and leader of marriage retreats, and she did that for many, many years with her husband, the late Dr. David Stoop. Together, they wrote the book, The Emotionally Healthy Marriage, Growing Closer by Understanding Each Other, that was previously titled Smart Love, and you might hear that in the program today. We, of course, do have that book at our website. Here's the second part of the conversation, uh, first aired a number of years ago on Focus on the Family. Um, Last time we talked about the SMART acronym, you mentioned these emotions, the BEP, that we uh, briefly talked about. Let's recap for folks very quickly the SMART acronym and your uh, BEP. Well, the SMART, the S stands for self-aware of my own emotions. And uh, I've got to be aware of what I'm feeling at least after the fact as a beginning point. And then in the midst of it, so that I can grab hold of it and begin to manage it. And the M. I was going to say, okay, ladies, so you're all saying, or many of you are saying, that's my husband. Yes. He doesn't understand, his, he's got no self awareness. Self awareness <laughs> is the key. Don't, don't They're be sticking so quick. with us the rest of the way, I guarantee don't it. Don't be but, so quick to point your finger at him because there's <laughs> three others pointing back at yourself. So that's the S of smart, then M. M is to manage my emotions, and I don't want to be controlled by them. I want to be able to control my emotions mm-hmm. okay. in a healthy way. A is accountability. I'm being accountable to myself. I'm being accountable to my spouse. 
and I'm being accountable to other couples. And I think that's extremely important that we have other couples in our lives that know us and pray for us and share with us and care for us. It's a good thing to do. Okay, so we got SMA. Uh, SMA What's R? and R is reading the other person, reading your spouse's Ouch. emotions, which is empathy. <laughs> I'm resonating with this one. I think this might be my weak link. I think sometimes I'm driving so hard, I'm not Was it a low low point in your chart? I'll have to go back to my test. Oh, no, no, we have Gene on the line right (laughs) now. Right, no, we don't. (laughs) Hang up, hang up, hang up. But uh, So that's reading your spouse, understanding your spouse. Their emotions. Their emotions. Okay, guys, come on. You've got to be there with me. I mean, this is not something that's natural. Well, the other word there is to build empathy so I can understand what you're feeling is a good thing. Neither the R or the T are easy to do, but they become easier as you develop the skills of the S and the M. Okay. So it kind of flows together like a river, Mm -hmm. gains Mm -hmm. a little more momentum. So what's the T? The T is together in the land of emotions. We're comfortable comfortable with each other emotionally. Enough to be in that world together. When you you look at people, and I know you do this therapeutically, you have them write down, if I'm remembering this correctly, Mm -hmm. what is it? That is the perfect marriage. What, when you look five oh. years out, and if all the negative stuff could be taken out, what does it look like? Yeah, five years from now, three years from now, one well, year. Well, just now. five years from now, and then then later you, you boil it down to three years, and then one year, and it, it becomes a goal setting process. But the initial uh, assignment is just dream five years. You meet me on the beach, and I haven't seen you for a while, and you tell me you have a perfect marriage, and I don't believe it. So tell me why it's perfect for you. And it, yeah, and what do people say? That's what I want to ask. Oh, they, they say all the things that they wanted when they got married. You know, Help I, me. Tell me I, what. I want, I want intimacy. Yeah, tell, be specific. I, I want to be known by my partner. I want we, we have a comfortable life. We, spend time together. We, we spend, talk We together. travel together. We do things together. And all the things that every couple wants to have in their marriage, it's just like I want to get them to focus on those again. And then I say, oh, now, if you're going to do that in five years, what would you have to be doing by three years? What would you have to be doing by next year? So let's get to the manage, the M of SMART, managing your emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, why is this war going on in our brains uh, between the emotional part of us and the rational part of us? Because if you mm-hmm. think about it, who doesn't want that mm-hmm. better marriage? Yeah. Maybe not perfect marriage, but all the attributes you just talked about. Mm-hmm. It would be rational for us to aim for that. So we wouldn't use anger toward our but spouse our, or shame or our, whatever it might be. Our rational brain is often is subject to the emotional brain. Yeah, that's scary, isn't and it? And that's scary because we haven't <laughs> – and managing my emotions means I've got to develop my rational side of my brain. Uh, when we've been wounded as kids, when we've been we, – we've adopted a, a – basic emotional posture of anger or fear or shame or sadness, uh, that's giving precedence to the emotional brain. You give power to that. You give power to it. And you depower the rational brain. So you've got to activate the rational brain. So there's, there's a language for each of those four negative emotions. The language of anger is I should, you should, or you shouldn't, or you should, or I shouldn't. The demand that I make on a situation it's like somebody cuts you off in the freeway and we, we get angry because they shouldn't have done that. Well, they already did it. 
So it's irrational. So I, I want to. Gosh, you're just going right at my weak spot. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so are I, we in a session here? Do I have to pay you money? No. <laughs> no, but that's good. I mean, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, what, what else can be done? Pray so for the guy. It, yeah. <laughs> and then there's sometimes somebody cuts you off and you don't even notice it because your mind is somewhere else and you're thinking of something else and you just automatically tap it's the like brake and go on. Yeah. Uh, the language of fear is what if. And what if this happened? What if that happens? And I always say, if you're going to what if the negative, you have to what if the positive. Because only God controls the future. You can't control the future by what ifing it. So you're talking about the possibility of the deal falling through. Well, you've got to say, well, but what if the deal stays together and succeeds? You know, yeah. You've got to what if both sides. Yeah. And then the, the uh, language of shame and sadness are, is the same as if only. If only this hadn't the happened. And the, the living in the regrets. Mm-hmm. Constantly, though, like Constantly, a vicious circle, yeah. mm-hmm. right? It just keeps going. So if you can identify the language of the emotion, you can begin to manage the language. Like the woman who was so angry that charred the, my door frame as she walked in the office. You know, I, I gave her an assignment to make a list of all the things she was angry about. I said, get an 8.5 by 11 sheet, sheet and make three columns. And the first column lists all the things you're angry about. Well, she came up with 27 pages. 27 I think she's angry about <laughs> I feel sorry no for the No wonder she scorched the, the <laughs> sign walking in your door. And I said, now, in the middle one, you've got to get all of, what are the demands you're making. And that's the language she uses, you know. So she says, well, when, I come, when you come home from work, and he had a pretty high-level job, and you see the table set, the candles are lit, the kids are in bed, you should know I want some time with you. Instead, you get up from the dinner and say thanks and go to the office and continue working. So that's the should. Have. That's the should. So then I said, third column, you've got to restate it as a desire, as a wish, as a want. I want you to spend some time with me. And he's over here making notes. He said, well, I'll remember <laughs> He probably that never time. thought of it. Right. Never all. thought Ever. of it. You know? Well, Jan, I want to pull you into that because, again, uh, the language between male mm-hmm. and female can be as different as Chinese is from English. That's right. So how does how and, do you teach young women and women of all ages yeah. to better communicate with what, their husbands that, that don't speak their language? Yeah, but that thing of changing the language to the wants or desires, it's a mind blower about how that is heard by your mate. Mm. But, you know, a big part of what the women um, really, really struggle with is criticism. So we we have that thing that we can turn anything into a critical yeah. statement. Well, and that's the shame part, correct? And women yeah. do it more than men. Yeah. It's been really? proven. Let's <laughs> ask John and me. Uh, okay, no. I mean, but, that can happen. But that's because they want things to change and get Correct. better. Correct. They're desperate, yeah. and yeah. they're using that mm-hmm. tactic yeah. in order to hopefully evoke change, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the language of shame. Would that be fair? Right, right. To describe well, it, it that trigger way. trigger anger, too, well, in the yeah. recipient. Yeah. What does that language of shame sound like in mm. the marriage? Just role play a little bit for us. What does that sound like between uh, a, a, a shame? And a couple? Oh, wow. You should have worn that shirt. <laughs> you should have no. worn the other shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, anything I say that that can be critical can uh, can. I can put, take it as shame. Uh, shame. So uh, you, you say to me sometimes I come downstairs. Are you going to wear that shirt? And and I, and I think mm. well, I wouldn't have put it on if I wasn't going to wear it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty pretty and, straightforward. And I have then, a friend who had a situation. <laughs> like and then that. she may even remind me. Well, you told me to tell you when things didn't match. You know, and mm. but what she. Criticism is always an indirect way to ask for something. Hmm. And if she had said to me, you shouldn't wear that shirt with those pants. They don't go together. I'd say, oh, okay, because that was a clear statement. 
So there's a shaming in, and there's a trigger point for anger mm. for the, the statement, That's are an, you going to wear that critical. shirt? Because yeah. I'm thinking, you think I'm stupid? I don't know how to put a shirt mm. on. Well, and what's <laughs> sad is these little paper cuts. Mm-hmm. Is what oh. derails a marriage. Oh, That's yeah. right. it's, it's not necessarily the big thing, whatever yeah. that might be, but it's this kind of stuff constantly. And, mm-hmm. and many of them are, are critical remarks that right. we make And it to goes each both other. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you always stand up for too, the ladies, but, too, because oh, men can have, be critical mm, and sharp and cutting oh, yeah. and dismissive. Many know, women in the seminar will say, huh, he's the one does the criticism <laughs> because I can't live up to his demands. Mm. Yeah. But it's difficult. But women are fighting it, too. They're fighting it every way to try to figure out how can we, how can we get the kind of relationship we really want without ever uh, having to uh, demand. Mm. So I take away the demands. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Parlez-vous français or know anyone who does? At Focus on the Family Canada, we have a ministry dedicated to French-speaking families. Sign up for our free Focus Family magazine today to receive marriage and parenting advice grounded in biblical truth. Visit our website, focusfamille.ca, for more resources in French. That's focusfamille.ca. Rendez-vous sur notre site focusfamille.ca et abonnez-vous à notre magazine gratuit. À bientôt! I was really struggling as we walked through the aftermath. It just felt like every day was a struggle. It was hard to breathe sometimes. It was hard to just function day to day, and it was so lonely. When Carrie learned of her husband's affair, she felt betrayed by God. She lost hope until she heard a Focus on the Family podcast. The reason why I listened to it over and over again is because it felt like I was sitting down with a friend who was telling me, like, I've been there, and it's okay, and you can do this, and I promise in the end it's going to be worth it. And it just broke me in a good way. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can heal more broken marriages like Carrie's and give families hope. Please join our marriage restoration team. Call 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family. That's 800-A-FAMILY. Or donate at focusonthefamily.ca slash give. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, we've covered the, the S and the M, and now we've got to get to the A of SMART. Uh, a is accountability. Yeah. So what does accountability look like? Can I say a word there? That we, uh, Over the years, we were part of a group of couples. Uh, mostly they lived in the Bay Area, far from where we are. And uh, But we got together twice a year, but they were our prayer group, and they were our youth sponsors when we were youth pastors in a large church up in the, uh, the San Francisco area. But anyway, um, they became our accountability group, so our, we had a lot of uh, prayer, accountability with each other, and there were 10 of us, so we named ourselves De ten of us, but but somebody the ten like of us. that, that yeah. was great. ten of us, but but to be accountable to other couples is a magnificent way to work out this too. We, we'd get together for a long weekend, someplace unique. We were each, in the Sierras, and we were in the beach, and different places. But always on the weekend, there was a time of sharing, and the guys dreaded it, you know. But we did it. 
And so <laughs> it'd be our turn to share with the other four couples. And we would talk about what was going on in our life, what was going on in our kids. They prayed our son into sobriety and mm. prayed us through that time. And uh, it was just a time of of accountability with each other. And then yeah. the next day, somebody else would share and we'd pray for them. We do that through a book club, Gene and I. We have five couples that mm. are in a little book club. That's great. And we, yeah. We really, the books have become less significant <laughs> than being together. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And we do exactly that. An and update every, about everybody's life. Every couple's got to have yeah. that kind of context. As Christian couples, we need that kind of support. Yeah. And that's accountable. But being accountable to each other. And being an open book to each other. There's a lot of men in our area that their wives don't know the slightest idea how they stand financially. And the man wants it that way. Mm. And that's counterproductive. That's being unaccountable. So it's a lack of trust. It's a lack of Mm -hmm. trust. It leads to a lack of trust. But it's a failure at accountability. And accountability maybe has some negative feelings to it from how you grew up. But... The only way you're going to have a solid marriage that lasts into old age is to be accountable to each other and in love. And, of course, we're talking to a couple who has been married 60 years, so you know what you're yeah. talking about. And there's something great about growing old together. Yeah. Really oh, I, yeah, I totally <laughs> agree with that. Jan, I do want, though, in this accountability area for ladies, I think um, wives struggle here because uh, accountability it can be wrapped in fear. Mm-hmm. You know, that fear so. that I mm-hmm. don't know what my husband's thinking. I mm-hmm. don't know what my husband's really doing. Um, you can put that into the context of he works late at night. And oh, you yeah. can spin yourself into That's right. a whole lot of emotions that may or may not be accurate. You know, that mm-hmm. intuition mm-hmm. that begins to develop. How does a woman who's feeling that way, I'm not connected with my my husband, this accountability area, yeah. but not to come across mm. with the assumptions that you're doing something wrong or that you've mm. done something wrong and you come at that accountability in a way that's not constructive. Yeah. Well, I, w- I would think, I don't know if someone worried about that has a, a girlfriend or whatever, but but to begin to trust whether the trust really feels like real, but I am going to trust you. I am going to um, ask you things, and I expect you to answer. Um, But in the midst of it, the thing that keeps coming to my mind is the praying together. If there's even Hmm. a smidgen of hope that that husband uh, is willing to even listen to you pray, and then you hold hands or something like that. But praying together for Dave and I, since we began, what, 50 years ago? 40s. Uh, uh, 40. Yeah, 50 when, years ago. But anyway, we never missed a day. Even when he's traveling for Youth with a Mission, he used to travel into some really strange countries. Not strange, but wonderful <laughs> countries. Wonderful countries. <laughs> and he would get a phone somehow, and we always touch base. And so this starts to build the trust that we're yeah. talking about here. No, that's but, good. But, you know, they may not be able to get their husband on, right. on that level. We, we did a book years ago on When Couples Pray Together, and it's out of print, unfortunately. But we did a survey of the couples who had agreed to do it because we'd get a commitment from them to do it for six weeks. You know, AA says if you do something for four weeks, it, it becomes a habit. We figured with spiritual warfare, we better make it six weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but one lady wrote back and she said, my husband won't pray with me. He's not a believer. But he's, he said, I'll let you hold me and you pray. Yeah. And so she was, they would hug each other and she would pray for them as a couple. And 
uh, the, I always had thought that that was the beginning of something that was going to God was going to use in a powerful way. No, I like that. I think the, that the accountability. There's something in praying together that is a gentle accountability that mm-hmm. keeps you on course with each other. And we've had a fight in the evening, and we we pray at night when we go to bed. And she might come to bed and say, "Are you going to pray?" And I say, "Nope," because I'm still mad. <laughs> she says, "Well, I am." And she never. You never pray uh, your uh, your partner into shame. You, you, she would pray. By the time she was done praying, my heart had softened, and I prayed. You know, and so there was there was that gentle accountability that that regardless of what was going on, uh, if we couldn't pray together, we still tried, and we still did usually. Okay, we've got the S and the M and the A, and now we're going to R. And this we need a little bit of time here because I think. This could be one of the world's greatest uh, deficits, mm-hmm. and that's reading your spouse's or the other person's emotions. Well, like, like <laughs> we said before, it, it requires my being aware of my own emotions and being able to manage my emotions because now I'm not threatened by your emotions. And so I can speculate, and, and a lot of it begins by speculating. And uh, there's some action plans in there like... Uh, looking for emotions in media and talking together about general emotions and getting to understand how you can read what the other person is feeling by things that you've talked about that were neutral. What What is an example where you struggled with uh, reading one another accurately mm. or with deference? Or Do you have an mm. example in your 60 years of marriage? I'm sure there are many. <laughs> Let's see. Um, a lot over the kids, a lot of... Now um, you're speaking yeah, my language. Yeah. Okay, come on, yeah. give it to me. <laughs> oh, we have different opinions of, of how much we should interfere, should mm. we not? Uh, that, that's very difficult. Yes. And uh, it is, it's hard to come up with, you know, I know better. I was there. I saw it. <laughs> but to understand that all this has to do with how we are. On it, mm. and so we try to get together on at least one point of what we're yeah. talking about. When we were dealing with our son's addiction, one of us would be kind and manipulable; the other one would be firm and trying to <laughs> draw the line. And he could every kid in that situation can play you against each other. Then yeah, that's exactly right. Walks away with whatever he wants. And what we had to learn to was how to read each other's natural tendency, but to have talked through enough that we knew that we had to stay on the same page. We had to be kind and firm at the same time. Right. Couldn't divide that. Now, let me ask you this in the context of marriage, though, where you have the husband who doesn't display a lot of emotion, and you have the wife trying to discern, trying to read her Mm-hmm. Uh, her mate's cueing, well, you know, and you're, you're lost in that because he's not giving you a lot of signals. Well, then one of the things I tell wives is uh, oftentimes I define the man as being afraid. So he's hiding. He's hiding. He's fearful. And, and instead of him rejecting you, he's, he's really hi- afraid of what he's experiencing and he's hiding from you. So if you can operate on that principle that he's being motivated by fear, not by rejection... It can mm. change the whole dynamic between mm. you, and that's, that's so. Sometimes you have to help somebody right. do and some empathy. So let's not leave people there. Let's say 
some of the audience just said, yeah, that's the relationship I'm in, whether you're the husband or the wife. Then, uh, how do they unwind that? How then, do they start have, tonight? How do they say, okay. You, you sit down after dinner and have, and say, well, let's let the dishes go for 10 or 15 minutes and talk about it. I heard this thing on the radio today that kind of suggests that a lot of times you don't talk to me because you're hiding, you're afraid. And it goes back to what you learned from as a kid from your mm-hmm. mom and, and the way she disciplined you. Talk to me about what that was like when you were a kid. And if I can get him to talk about what he experienced as a kid. Jan knows almost everything that happened to me as a kid. And I know mm. almost everything that happened to her as a kid. We've, over the years, talked about it because it's affected our here and now. It wasn't locked into the past. It was still operating in the present. That's it can be hard to have that appetite as the wife to say, I'm going to really listen and understand mm-hmm. this. Can it yeah. be hard? Mm-hmm. I would think it could be difficult, especially if you're upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, okay, yeah, blame it on your childhood. Heard that before. <laughs> I'm just role-playing with you because I want to really help people. Well, it's not just blaming it on my childhood. It's trying to understand the pattern of behavior that I get caught in without even thinking. Mm. And you need to. Help, I need your help to pull me out of that. And then in, we got to talk about some ways that I can experience you helping me pull me out of it yes. so you can keep me talking. Um, we've got to at least touch on T so we don't end with SMAR. <laughs> Let's end with SMART. But we don't have a lot of time, so just one minute. Together yeah. in the land of emotions, the T, together. Yeah, it's together. How comfortable are we together in dealing with our emotions? And the, the goal is to become comfortable with a whole range of emotions. Right. That it's, that'll be the result of doing SMAR. So SMAR, <laughs> if I do SMAR well, I will do the, I will be smart. You get the T. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it all builds on place. itself. Yeah. A safe place oh, for I both. like that. That's good. Okay. Not only that, but scripturally, and that's a great place to end this mm-hmm. discussion, scripturally, that's what you want. I, I think the scriptural version of this is called becoming one flesh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Togetherness. Yeah. That's what that's saying. Becoming one emotionally. One emotionally. Mm-hmm. So you really are complementing each other. And I think putting a smile on the face of God when his design as being made in his image, male and female, is actually functioning because you are one. Yeah. And that is a beautiful picture of where I would want to be if you asked me the five-year goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe that could be done in six months. I don't know. Yeah. But create that plan. The book even has an outline on how to create that plan where you want to be together. Your spouse has to participate. Don't create the plan without your spouse. That's true. That's right. (laughs) That'll be a disaster. And love is the end result. And love is never in the the list of emotions because love is a different emotion. It's designed to come and stay and grow, whereas anger, fear, sadness, and shame, designed to come and alert you to something and then go away. Mm, It's a symptom. It's a symptom. And love is more than a symptom. Love is a way of life. And that's Mm -hmm. our goal is to increase love. Wow, that is a great place to end. I'm sorry we have to. Dr. David Stoop and Dr. Jan Stoop, go online, uh, get the book. That's the point. Uh, There's so many good resources. The assessment in there, I scored 98. It, can we move on, please? <laughs> I bet it's out of 120, so I feel like I failed. I'm already shaming myself here. Right Man, I always want to get an A. But uh, it's just great tools to provide a pathway for you. And I mm-hmm. want to thank both of you for being here, making the trip to Colorado. Sorry you had to leave sunny California. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was not a, not a bad move. It was okay, a, good. Good trip. Well, We're great delighted. 
Well, we trust that you picked up some really good nuggets of truth to apply to your own relationship today. And as Jim said, if you're finding yourself to be oh, a little frustrated with all of this, maybe it's because it's difficult to tread into this territory. And if it helps, give us a call and schedule a time for a free phone consultation with one of our caring Christian counselors. They can help you get started in understanding all these emotions and really to grow in intimacy in your relationship. And we'll encourage you to get a copy of David and Jan's uh, terrific book, The Emotionally Healthy Marriage, Growing Closer by Understanding Each Other. Find details about the book and an opportunity to donate to the Ministry of Focus on the Family and certainly to connect with one of our counselors. Uh, We'd be happy to tell you more when you call 800-A-FAMILY or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.